What's up, everybody? And welcome to the Lights Out, where we go to the extreme, we get out of the 80s, we talk about whatever the hell we want. Up next, happy St. Valentine's Day, everybody. Thank you for joining us for your, for your Valentine's Day uh, listening to, because in this episode, we are traveling all the way to 1999 and we are going to Memphis, Tennessee and we're going to be watching the WWF St. Valentine's Day Massacre, brother. Jay Austin, James Klein, what's happening, Allison? We got one of these Lights Out shows again. We always like doing these. Very fun. I know, man. What's up? Happy, happy Valentine's Day. How's, how's your Valentine's Day been so far? Oh, you know, it's going. You know, I woke up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> Realized like shit. Did I get my girlfriend a present? Fuck, I can't remember. Oh, then I gotta figure out yeah, where to huh. take her and shit. I was like, I wish it was 1999. Yeah, I wish it was 1999 right now. I'm like, babe, we're going to the fucking, we're going to Memphis to go see <laughs> Stone Cold and Vince McMahon in the cage, brother. That's where we're going. Yeah, I was about to say this. This pay per view happened on Valentine's Day. Yeah. So uh, you know that if if it were Valentine's Day and in 1999 and we were in Memphis, I'd be going to this. Oh yeah. But I'm wondering how many people ruined Valentine's Day by going <laughs> to this wrestling pay per view. Oh uh, well, you know, I mean, fuck it. I mean, I'd be like, yeah, what are we gonna do? The dinner, or we're gonna see fucking uh, Bob Holly and Al Snow fight. <laughs> In the fucking in the uh, river. In the river. <laughs> I mean, come on. What? What? Tell me what's better: having some fucking nice dinner or seeing, you know, badass Billy Gunn in his short, his tight shorts. I mean, come on. What's? What, yeah, we need. Come on now. It's badass Billy Gunn, man. Yeah. Got to see badass Billy Gunn get some beers. Yeah. <laughs> Hell so, yeah. So, I'm pretty excited about this show. You know, so we, you know, we try to do like a specials. You know, we can. Um, you know, last. Um, Last year on Valentine's Day, we did uh, My Bloody uh, Valentine for, uh, mm-hmm. for for the Retro Blood. You know what I mean? Because there was yep. an 80s one. We were thinking about maybe doing that that movie again, but then I stopped talking. You know, this is a very interesting show. This is St. Valentine's Day Massacre on here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the last. So, a couple little things before we get into it. First of all, like, this is my era. All right. Like, 19, oh, yeah. 1998 yeah. to about 2000. I don't even like need notes. Like, I just know so much about this area. So this is, and I've said this before on some other shows, you know, I started watching wrestling full-time in 1998, you know, after uh, Steve yeah. Austin won the belt, brother, from Shawn Michaels. So I was immersed, like, you know, and then, you know, over the years, I would go back, you know, maybe watch, watch you know, since they had the shows on the WWF Network, and then they had it mm-hmm. on the Peacock now. You know, every once in a while, I'll go back and watch them. So, but it, this era, I mean, there's, there's a lot to be talked about, you know, on the Attitude Era. You know, during this time, but I really like 1999 just because it's so like unique. You know, and we'll we'll get into, you know, what led up to the yeah. the whole pay per view and everything. 
But even afterwards, after this pay-per-view happened, you know, we're rolling into WrestleMania 15, which is a very underrated WrestleMania in my in my opinion. And then, you know, this is kind of like the rise of Triple H year. Yep, um, yep, yep. This is actually the first year that I actually went to two WWF, my first ever two WWF shows. I went mm-hmm. to a, uh, a Raw taping, which is my f- my first ever um, WWF show. And I went to the Armageddon pay-per-view. That was the last pay-per-view of this of this year. So I have a lot of... Uh, a lot of fond memories of 1998. That's what we'll get into. What about you, Allison? Uh, were you a huge 1999? Did I say eight? Yeah, 1999. I mean, 1999. Yeah, 1999 yeah. Were you a huge WWF 1999 fan? Oh yeah, I was. I was. I was totally marking out this whole year. I mean, this. I mean, you know, in my opinion, 1985 to 1988 is the best wrestling ever was. But, um, th- that. That year, I guess you could say, from November of 1998, from Survivor Series 98, all the way to the the end of 1999, was just magical. Like, it was just a magical time in my life. It was a magical time in... uh, uh, in wrestling. It was so... It was so good. I mean, like, WWF in that year was so much better than w- what WCW had was and really had been, honestly. Um, but yeah, I think I've told this story before, but I came back to wrestling in November of 1998, and I watched because mm-hmm. I, I was I, I, the job I had at the time, I, I was working with some people who watched Raw, and they were talking about things that happened on Raw. Um, and I didn't really know who any of these people were. Like I knew who the big boss man was cause I remembered him from the eighties. Um, but I didn't really know who any of these people were and it was just hard for me to believe what I was hearing. Like I thought, you know, wrestling, that would be, that's stupid. Like, but then like the more I, I heard about it that, you know, the more I got interested in it and then they invited me over to watch that survivor series pay-per-view and then I never missed another one for years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was just a really good time for me because I was coming out of a, a breakup with this girl um, that I dated for a few years, and then I found all these new people, these new friends, and um, that were really into wrestling. And then it brought me back to enjoying things for me again. And I and just going through that whole thing, that rumble that happened the month before this, and then the WrestleMania that would come after, and everything that happened over that next summer. Yeah. Uh, I attended my first wrestling show ever that next summer, but yeah, th- this was a fantastic, fantastic year. Oh yeah, one of the best years of uh, in wrestling's history, definitely. And which is interesting, that show that you watched, the Survivor Series 1998, played yeah. a big part of the storyline leading into our show tonight, St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Oh yeah, because yeah, you know, I, I came at a good time. Oh yeah, like it started this whole storyline. Exactly. Yeah, you came at a great time. It's very magical, just like this. Ooh, yep. Yeah, brother. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. The good old sound, brother, of the cracking of the beer. Stone. Awesome. Hey, we're talking about Stone Cold in the main event. I got a brewski, so I'm ready to go, brother. I'm ready to make this Let's happen. Let's go. Let's do it. <sighs> anyway. Nah. So, um, you know, there's 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 a lot we're gonna get into. We'll give you like some history leading up to the pay per view. We'll talk about all the matches and everything. But one mm-hmm. interesting fact that I'm not sure if you realize this, Allison. But mm-hmm. do you realize this? This was the last in your house pay per view 
until uh, June of 2020 when NXT brought it back. Because um, I, 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 I sorry, go ahead. No, go, go. Yeah, because you know after this St. Valentine's Day massacre was over with, they went to branded pay per views like Backlash, Armageddon, stuff like that. So they never used the in, the in your house name again until NXT brought it back. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, I was gonna bring. I was gonna ask you about that because I know that around this time they got rid of the in your house brand. Yes. And I didn't really know what that meant at the time, but it was basically like a minor pay per view. It was one a pay per view that wasn't the big four, right? That's basically what. Yeah, they it was in your house pay per view. Yes, it was like the ones in between. No, so like we had like the big four, you know, Royal Rumble, mm. WrestleMania, Survivor Series. Uh, SummerSlam, and those would be set at a, at a particular price range. You know, maybe probably yeah. around your your upper sixties to seventies. Um, you know, uh, for the for the pay per view. Now you're in your yeah. house where the, was there to fill in some of the gaps, and it was like a lower uh, price tier, like maybe like your fifteens yeah, to your thirties. Uh, mm, I think they were like twenty nine ninety nine, if I remember correctly. Yes. Well, the earlier ones I heard were like around like fifteen because they were they were oh, trying to. Oh, they could have been. Yeah, they could have been. Yeah, like the ones but in like I'm, the ninety five to yeah. the ninety six. But you know, obviously, this one was probably like wait. I mean, I would I wouldn't be surprised if this one was like sixty bucks. Because you know they're hot during maybe, this time. Maybe they were very hot. I mean, I think WrestleMania was more. I really don't remember. I just remember the only reason I, I'm stuck on that twenty nine ninety nine price point is because I remember ECW being cheaper and i believe it was 1999 for a pay-per-view yes but uh but yeah but yeah um the go ahead yeah no i was gonna say yeah but these shows like are like it was good weekend and week out it was it was just fantastic i could not wait until monday to see what was gonna happen yeah. on raw every week so this is like the 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 vince russo hot period all right. So, yeah. We, so, yeah. yeah. So, you know, there, for a lot of faults, the guy and a lot of wrestling fans don't like the guy. You know, he was, this is his hot period, you know, like the 98. Well, I'd say a little bit of 97 through about the end of 99 going into 2000. Um, is 2000 you know, when he went to WCW? No, it was like, uh, I think it was like early 1999, but he, he kind of like, okay. he, he, he had some storylines in place for 2000. Um, but, you know, obviously it wasn't him alone. You know what I mean? It's a it's a it's an effort plus the talent was like super superior during this time. But the thing True. that you'll notice about watching some of these um earlier, you know, these nineties period, late nineties period um WWF was everybody had a storyline. So yeah. to me, that is good and it's like kinda like it just it's just different than you see it nowadays. You know what I mean? So it's like every match that we're going to be talking about has like a background story to it. And I was going to ask you, Allison, do you prefer that or do you, or do you prefer the kind of like the WCW AEW style where we're just having a competitive contest with two athletes? Mm. No, I prefer the stories. Stories for each match? Yeah. Because, well, I mean, that's what I like. I like stories. Yeah. You know, and, and anything that I consume that's media i like stories that's why i like books that's why i like movies i like music that tells a story um you know which is why i don't like a lot of pop music i, I like music that tells a story and i like 
Um, I like wrestling that tells a story, and I think there should be a story. Like, I, I think that AEW does it well with what they do. They're a New Japan style organization where New Japan is more sports oriented. It's more like you know, like it's like it's a, supposed to be a like a sporting event. Um, WCW was kind of in the middle. Like they yeah. would, ha- they had a lot of stories. Um, yeah. I think right now WWF or WWE rather doesn't do either one of them very well. Like they have the story for the bloodline and Kevin Owens and all that. And now Cody Rhodes, but I couldn't really tell you that anybody else on raw has a story right now. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like these two people are going to have a match and then we're just going to put these two people together. And then we're going to show a lot of, you know, ads for things that we're going to sell you later on. But none of these people really have much of a story. I mean, I can, I definitely agree with that. Like, they do have um, stories here and there, but they're not as, yeah. they're not as detailed as they were right. back in the uh, the late '90s period. You know, like it's like, a, yeah. and I feel like the the '90s period. You know, they it helped out everybody's character having some sort of like issue of why these two athletes are fighting, even if it is as ridiculous as our porn star Val Venus shacking up. With Ken Samrock's sister, you know, at least it's something. Right. At, least exactly. you, at, least giving, exactly. at least at least it's something. Yeah. But, but you know, with that story though, you we all can relate. You know, if I had a sister and she was shocking up with some porn star, I'd be pissed too. So yep, yep. So it all makes sense. That, Except for the blue mini shit, that really didn't make know. best sense. The, the blue mini. So, shit okay, I was sense. gonna mention that. That's the only <laughs> part of it that, to me, like I'm like I, I didn't watch all the raws around this, but I was like, okay, so I'm not sure why this is happening. Oh, I, um, I, I, I know. Bro, I didn't even <laughs> have to do research, and I remember this shit off the top of my head. Okay, all right. <laughs> That's great. Um, so another thing, before we get into the whole event, or what led up to the event. So apparently, the St. Valentine's Day Massacre is a, a wordplay off the uh, 1929 uh, event, the gang war between mm-hmm. Al Capone and Bugs Morin. Yes. So I guess that's yeah, what that, it, that's yeah that really was based, that was based off a real thing yes yeah. we're like uh, we had a big gang warfare happening this time so so we have a little bit of history behind the um, actual name itself and um you know this event also too took place like we said in Memphis Tennessee at the Memphis Pyramid and I don't think that pyramid I don't think they run events anymore do they or am I, am I wrong about that. Run what the events at the pyramid? Yeah, no, the pyramid is now a Bass Pro Shops. <laughs> I knew it. See, every time I come up here from Texas and stuff, I pass by that pyramid. And I was like, "Fuck, that's the pyramid." Yeah, I was just thinking in my head, it's like, you know, every time I, I drive by there, I was like, "Fuck, that's the pyramid. That's for fucking uh, Austin and McMahon were in the cage, and that's where and that river yep. over there. That's for Bob Holly and Al Snow fought." <laughs> yep. So yeah, now it's a would, I've never shop. been there, but I'd like to go there because we could go, we could go there and go in it now. Yeah, that'd be um, awesome. So you know, because we could go shopping at that. I can't even imagine a Bass Pro Shops that's that fucking big. I know. You it's know what like, I mean? like, is it the weirdest it's an thing? Arena. Yeah, it's like the weirdest <laughs> thing because you know, it's like it, it, it right, right when you drive in, um, to to, to pretty much to Memphis, Tennessee, you see the pyramid. It's like boom, right there. Yeah, it's off the bridge yeah. and everything. And every time I'm looking, like, man, that'd be a great place to have a wrestling event. And then I see Bass Pro Shop. What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> That's but, weird. Yeah, because I know now they, they just go to the Memphis, like, no more arena. Yeah. So, 
But boy, talk about some history though. Just imagine while you're uh, while you're getting your fucking uh, uh, fishing gear, you can think, "Well, oh, that's mm-hmm. where mankind bled right there." That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if we could like I don't know how it's set up inside, but I wonder if we could walk down on the floor. Like, what was the floor? I mean, that's probably where the shopping part is. Yeah. I guess. I mean, I can't even imagine. They must have taken the seats out of it. I have no idea how they repurposed this to make a Bass Pro Shops out of it. But yeah, just uh, it would be cool to see. It would be if we ever go to Memphis, we should uh, we should go into it. Yeah, check it all out. So, but you know, this is a so this this is a very interesting like middle ground pay per view. So this one is that kind of like the uh, the middle ground pay per view leading into WrestleMania, kind of like nowadays where we have the Elimination Chamber. So, mm-hmm. you know, back then, before we, we had the concept of Elimination Chamber, you know, we would have, like, some little little stop, stop gaps before WrestleMania. Um, after this, it would become pretty much no way out for a long time until we had um, the Elimination Chamber. So the, the yeah. middle ground pay-per-view will be, you know, titled No Way Out for a long time. But um, a couple of things leading in to the pay-per-view. So this is, like, like I said, this is a hot period. So... We could start the the major story actually came from that Survivor Series we were talking about um, that yeah. you know Allison watched for the front, the Deadly Games brother where mm-hmm. where The Rock beat Mankind for the WWF title and it was all like a swerve for McMahon because McMahon was like not liking The Rock not liking Austin so he they they screwed Austin out of the title shot and they thought they were gonna give it all to Mankind but it was just one big swerve brother during this yeah. whole time and it, this is actually a pretty interesting. Um, rivalry too because so basically Mankind like helped elevate The Rock to a main event level absolutely and it was also thinking about which is pretty interesting as well the next year like when we're going to end of 99 to 2000 Mankind would still be in the main event and he would elevate Triple H in almost the same way that he was elevating The Rock at this time too so so it's pretty it's pretty crazy, you know, back to back, um, you know, three month span of like mankind elevating a talent to the to the main event, and he also kind of did this a little bit too in a shorter fashion a couple years later for Randy Orton as well too. So, you know, yeah, I remember those matches with Randy Orton. Yeah, those were those were good too. When he was he was really good at that. Yeah, um, he was really good at like. You know, not overpower, not being a, a, a bigger star, but being the person that would elevate this new, this newer talent, younger talent. Yeah, he was really good at that. So, you know, the main story when it comes to the uh, to, to the Rock and and Foley was obviously it started mm-hmm. out the Survivor Series him getting screwed over, and then you know they would have the Rock Bottom pay per view, and then that that's this would also lead into the Royal Rumble that happened a month prior. Which was that very famous match between The Rock and Mick Foley in the I Quit match? And boy, you want to yeah, see infamous, a, some would say. Oh my God! If you want to see a crazy match with a man taking like abnormally rough chair shots and all right, his kids are crying. I mean, my God, the drama in this match was crazy. Yeah, uh, and just, I don't think they um, ever showed it on the on the TV, but it, in that movie, um, Beyond the Mat. Beyond the mat, yeah, that's what I was thinking of. It shows that, that that's the first time Mick ever saw that um, footage. Yeah, you know, because in that movie he's talking about. I think I've mentioned this before on the show, but he's talking about how um, he's like, well, he's like, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe I'm taking a lot of chair shots, but it's not that big of a deal, you know. I, it's you know, it, it may, it's what the people want to see or whatever. 
And then they show him that footage they shot at that Royal Rumble of his kids crying when they're watching him get smashed in the head with those chairs. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, he's that was the first time he was like, yeah, maybe I should, uh, you know, do a little less of this. And what's crazy um, is but it was, was it was rough. Yeah, and it was crazy too because that was also his idea because he originally did something similar to that in ECW before coming to the yeah. WWF in '96 as well. Um, but you know, so that, the big thing about that one was so many chair shots to Foley's head and everything that when Rock finally put up the uh, the microphone to Foley. Obviously, it was just a recording of him earlier saying, I quit, I quit a bunch of times. So, right. But they still rewarded him the championship. And also, too, before I forget, and I don't know how I could forget, um, Foley, and it, it was on the January 4th, Monday Night Raw, won the title from The Rock right before this Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. And one of the most, I mean, the craziest Raw moments of all time with him actually winning the title from The Rock with Stone Cold to help him. I mean, that building was shaking so much, like the freaking, I thought the roof was going to go off in that place. It was so crazy. Where Stone Cold comes out, hits hits Rock with a chair shot, Mick Foley pins him and everything. And I believe this was the same night as the finger poke of doom on Nitro. Yeah, well, it was, it, it was, wasn't it the same night when they were like, uh, with Tony Schiavone's famous, uh, yeah, yeah, that'll put butts, butts in seats yeah. or whatever. Yeah, and that, and it was crazy. Right? So I actually remember watching that those the back-to-back uh, mm-hmm. because you know we in the, in the night show we just had starcade where where nash finally beat goldberg for the title and we're about to have like this like main event of nash challenging hogan so we're having like the two heavy figures of the of the end of the original nwo going at it right on the same and they were live unlike yeah. raw who had mick foley versus the rock for the championship all right and that's when you know so they spoiled it and i remember you know like back back in the day i would actually flip back and forth you know what 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 i did was i mostly watched um i watched the first hour of nitro because it came on before um right, wwf sure. then i start watching the wwf and i record it on my vcr brother all right and yeah. then after raw was done nitro nitro um always had like a replay and i would just set yeah. my set my vcr to record the replay uh, but this time I was going back and forth because I was kind of interested a little bit in the um, the whole Goldberg situation, you know, where they were taking him to jail because fucking uh, Miss Elizabeth said he like he like harassed her and shit. All right? Yeah. And then like th- this is when we're having the whole Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan came back because he's running for president for some reason. All right. And yep. then they're going to have yep. that yep. match and everything. So I was like interested in going back and forth. And right. I remember. To this day, I turned it on to Nitro, and that's when I heard t- Tony Schiavone saying, oh, by the way, guys, on the other channel, that guy who used to wrestle over here is Cactus Jack. He's about to win their world title. He's going to put a lot of butts in seats. And I was just thinking, like, oh, shit. Like, he just spoiled the main event. I was like, Mankind's going to win? Mm-hmm. Well, fuck, I got to see that. That's probably going to be great. So I just watched the rest of Raw. And that's what a bunch of people did. Like, they all, like, right when he said did. that, yeah, right when he said that, a lot of people switched right over. And I was one of those people that did switch right over. Because I was like, well, fuck, I want to see that. Who fucking cares about yeah. it? I can watch that shit later on the replay. So. Exactly. And I wasn't watching Nitro at all. Like, I hated I hated the flippers. Like, we, I, some, of my, some of our friends were flippers. Yeah. And, like, if I, could, if I couldn't watch the show live and I had to get their tape of it, they would be them flipping back and forth between Raw and Nitro. I hated <laughs> that shit. I wanted to watch all of one show 
and watch all the other ones. So, you know, I would go home and uh, typically I would, I might record one on my VCR, but typically I would go, if I wasn't watching Raw at my house, I would go to my friend's house and watch Raw. And then by the time I got home, the replay of Nitro was starting and I would just watch Nitro until like three o'clock in the morning or whatever and then go to sleep. Yeah. Um, you know, so I was, you know, I was watching five hours of wrestling every Monday night, usually. Um, but, um, but yeah, I, I wanted to watch all of Raw all the way through every single one. It was that good. Like it's, it's, it's hard to explain to people who try to watch wrestling now how good that was, but I would challenge anyone, like anybody who says they don't like wrestling. If you start at Survivor Series 99 or 98, and watch every raw and raw after that, and all the pay per views. You, you, I, I challenge you to watch to do that and then stop watching it. Yeah. It's, 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 they were on fire. It was so good. Yeah. And now, you know, not uh, everything is going to make the total most sense to you, but you know, you're, right, you are yeah. going to find something that you like. And I can give an example when I start talking about one storyline that I like that not a lot of people do like. Let's just say it involves the Ministry of Darkness. But we'll get there. Oh, yeah. Right, and I didn't know who any of these people were either. Like, I didn't know uh, when I watched that Survivor Series thing. I didn't know who Mankind was. I didn't know who McFoley was. Um, I had never seen Cactus Jack wrestle. I didn't know who the Undertaker. Well, I knew who the Undertaker was because I remember him from the late '80s. But this was a wholly new character. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't know who Steve Austin was. I didn't know who The Rock was. But yeah, so but yeah, so we're gonna are we gonna go through uh, all the matches or how are we gonna do this? Yeah, yeah. So I'm just giving like the uh, the build up to the main matches. Um, so sure. you know, after the Royal Rumble, when uh, the Rock mutilated uh, Mick Foley with those chair shots, then they had that mm. very famous like halftime heat match. Yeah, in the middle of the Super Bowl. Yes, I mean I'm talking about like the Rocket Mankind's feud from '98 to their whole time until they became a tag team was great. I mean, yes. every match they had, they had like the one of like the hot, the best chemistry. Uh, uh, you know, they had the best matches together that like I've, I've seen. And this halftime heat, I love this halftime heat match. It's like one of my favorite like wrestling matches or empty arena matches or just unique matches of all time. It's so fun. It's a very like fun match with Vince McMahon on the commentary and everything, and The, the Rock, you know, hitting him you know, with all kinds of like stuff in the back and stuff. It's it's a very fun one. But uh, Mankind, he won the belt. From the Rock on, yeah, that, on they, that night. I was about to say, they changed back and forth several times, oh, yeah. right? Because oh, yeah. he won it in January, on January the 4th, mm-hmm. and then the Rock won it back at some point. And Royal Rumble. And Royal Rumble, yes. And then at halftime, Heat, Mankind won it back again. Yes. And, and then at this show, uh, well, yeah. we had the ending of the show. Yeah. yeah, so that's what led up to this match. And basically, Rock wanted his, his match back, and Mick Foley kept denying him. Until Rock was like saying something about last man standing. That's when Mick Foley said, Yes, I want a last man standing match. So that's how we got to this St. Valentine's Day massacre match. Now, the biggest story happening in this match was the rivalry between Steve Austin and Mr. McMahon. Yep. Like, there's no way that you can watch these Raws, these pay per views, all the way after. WrestleMania 14, all up to now, there's no way that this Steve Austin McMahon feud would not hook you, because it was fantastic. This yes. makes this feud like I mean, the chemistry from these guys, the work. I mean, my God, 
I mean, the crowds when they came out, the heat that Mick, Mick McMahon got, the fucking crowd reaction for Austin, the tent, the tension. I mean, it was just, it was just magical. Like the fucking these guys coming out there. I mean, some of the best storytelling they've ever did, and you know that Mr. McMahon character was like, fuck, man, this guy was such a great bad guy. I mean, people hated this guy. It, it was, yeah, it, it was, was it was so good. It was so good until they ruined it. Yeah, you know, late, later Which, on. Well, they actually yeah, kind of ruined it. It wasn't too much later. <laughs> yeah, it but wasn't yeah. too much later. It actually, kind of happened a little bit in this year. But you know, yeah. so basically, this one kind of this this you know this feud's been going on since like I was saying this this feud's actually been going on, Mr. McMahon versus Austin, you know, even in '97 uh, when Austin stunned him at Madison Square yeah. Garden. But you know, so basically, you know, along they would never have like a uh, one-on-one match together. The, the closest time it came for a one-on-one match between them is when uh, in 1998, where it was Austin versus McMahon, and then Austin had to tie one hand behind his back. And that's when Dude mm-hmm. Love came out there and gave him the Manimal Claw and everything, and that was actually the the Monday Night Raw that actually switched tides for the for the WWF. Uh, but during this this particular um, part is so the big thing was um, you know Austin uh, since he didn't win the title of Survivor Series McMahon he put him in a uh, a match bec- between the Undertaker buried a life match at mm-hmm. rock bottom. And if Austin won that match, then he will be able to, you know, enter the Royal Rumble. And so Austin actually eventually won the match. And then McMahon's like, oh, well, you won the match, but you're going to be entry number one. And then, oh, yeah. And then that's when Shawn Michaels came out and said, well, McMahon, if he's number one, you're going to be number two. And there's this whole big, because, uh, you know, McMahon was trying to be number 30, but that, that went, to, yes. went to China. So that's what led us into the Royal Rumble. Where we had McMahon and Austin started off, and then that's when McMahon lured Austin into the women's bathroom, <laughs> and that's when the corporation beat him up. And then for half the match, like Vince McMahon was just on commentary until Steve Austin came back. Then they were the final two um, in the match, and that's when The Rock came out and distracted Austin. That's when McMahon eliminated Stone Cold Steve Austin. But then the very next night, McMahon didn't want to challenge the rock so he he forfeited his wrestlemania opportunity and that's when Shawn michael and austin were back there and Shawn michael's like well since you forfeited your opportunity it's going to go to the runner-up and the runner-up was steve austin and then austin and then they got all you know mcmahon was getting all pissed but then austin's like hey i will forfeit my opportunity at wrestlemania if you fight me in a steel cage here at st valentine's day massacre so that's what led up to our main event yeah, so I was going to ask about that because that's not how I remembered it happening. But when I was watching the show, I was like, okay, that must I must not be remembering it correctly because I thought I remembered it. Now you got to understand a lot of these shows I have not watched in twenty years. Yeah, um, basically. But um, but I thought that I thought that McMahon. So I remembered McMahon eliminating him. Because, you know, you're not out of the rumble unless you go over the top rope and both feet hit the floor. Yeah. And they went through the ropes, so neither one of them were eliminated. Yes. Um, so um, I thought that it was that Vince Vince got the title shot, Austin got no title shot, and then Austin somehow challenged him to that 
cage match, which, you know, he had the he had that worked out too in his favor, McMahon did. And then that's how he got his title shot back. And that's true, but I didn't I didn't real I just I guess I didn't remember that Austin had the title shot and he put it on the line so that Vince would fight yeah. him in the cage. Yeah. So okay. basically what happened the the very next night after the Royal Rumble, you know, Vince Man came out and said he's gonna forfeit his his, his opportunity to face the rock. Not thinking like he's okay, you know, there's some random person they're gonna pick out. Like the corporation wanted to pick out Rock's challenger. But then Shawn Michaels came on the screen with Austin saying, Oh, since you backed out, since I'm the commissioner, you are now out of the WrestleMania match. Now Steve Austin is in because you forfeited and he was the runner up at the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. And then they're all like pissed off. They're like, Well, they're, like their fan their McMahon's plan backfired on them. But then Austin was like, Hey, you know, I know you're pissed out there, but I what I will do if you agree to fight me in this steel cage, I will put up my mm-hmm. WrestleMania title shot. So if you beat me, I get no title shot. But if I beat you, I'm going to WrestleMania. So that's how we got to this yeah. event. Yeah, I always think that's funny as well because like they all this happened repeatedly with McMahon like doing something like that. Yeah, and then Shawn Michaels' music hits and he comes out because he's the commissioner and he can make rules. And then he makes a and he changes the he he bases. Whatever McMahon just said, he bases it and makes it Austin and uh, into Austin's favor. And I just I, every time I see those shows now, I'm just like, when is he going to learn? Like, when is he going <laughs> to learn that obviously Shawn Michaels is lurking backstage, and as soon as he s- fucks up like this, his music's going to hit, and then it's going to it's going to turn to Austin's favor. Like, yes. just keep keep your WrestleMania shot. You know, go to WrestleMania against the Rock, lay down, let the Rock keep the title, and you have no problems. But now we. But otherwise, we wouldn't have these two months of drama, right? Yes, you need that drama, brother. <laughs> and, and you know, you know, Vince would get his revenge later on in the year. He would when he's the higher power, brother. Yeah, and that's what I was referring to when I was talking about how they ruined it. Like yeah. when he <laughs> when he became the higher power and he had the corporate ministry, it was that to me it was all downhill. So that's what I kind of want. I mean, it wasn't. About. It didn't get terrible, but it was. It was. It was definitely not as good. Okay, so that's what I want to talk about next. Then we'll okay. kind of get into the show. So okay. the big thing about this 1999 era was The Undertaker. Very, very yes. weird. So to a lot of wrestling fans out there, they don't like this 1999 Ministry of Darkness Undertaker. Really? Yes. When I've heard, like, when I've I heard, not, like, I did not know that. I think if you take a poll, I'm not exactly sure. You know, I think if you take a poll out there, I think a lot of people don't particularly like this this particular undertaker character i loved it you know but then yes. again i'm into all that cra- crazy cult gothic shit you know what i mean yeah. so as a young kid i was like man this like you know the undertaker was always like a sinister style character but like you know once he he, he got paul bearer back and then he did that whole sacrifice mm. to fucking phineas aka mm. Mid- midian <laughs> yeah. and then he's doing midian, all that shit yeah. and then like you know obviously he had that big rival with stone cold put him on the cross and everything, you know, and then during this time, so it, it's kind of a weird, what kind of led Undertaker to like St. Valentine's Day, Day massacre. So, you know, he lost that, he lost that bared alive match with, mm-hmm. um, with Austin. And, you know, he, he got Paul Bearer back and stuff, but he got bared alive. And then when he came back, he, after like getting, I guess, dug up again from the ground, he yeah. came back, has like more of like a, a hooded sitting on like the throne like cult he's basically become like a cult ministry leader so he started to like gain some 
um, some followers. You know, first he had Midian, then he kidnapped yeah. uh, Viscera, yeah, who was Mabel at well, the time. Mabel, yeah. And then he uh, he he kidnapped Bradshaw and Farouk. You know, made them into the acolytes, which is probably like the yep. best thing that probably really came from the ministry was the acolytes. To be honest with you, um, that was probably like the the long term like good portion of the ministry that that came through it. Um, yeah. And then you know during this particular, he also had the brood with him too. You know, Gangrel, Edging. Yeah, yeah they they're probably only in there for like less than a month. Which is weird because yeah. I think they would fit in that that group perfectly. Yeah, and they did, but I guess they wanted like have them do like their own thing. That's the only thing I could think of because it was weird because I remember them being in the ministry for a little bit, but I remember them also like leaving really like quick too. You know, so they, yeah. they left before the, the only, whole corporate ministry should happen. Oh, well before that, yeah. Uh, the only thing I can think of is that they had at this time they had enough foresight that they don't have now to realize that the Hardys were coming down the pike and that yeah. m- matches between the uh, Edge and Christian and the Hardys were going to be fantastic, which they were. Um, and, you know, the only thing I can think of is that they thought, you know, those guys, those four guys would have great matches together. So let's get them out of the ministry so they can have have these matches over the summer. You know, also, too, you know, the Brood was also yeah. a very hot young act, too. That mm-hmm. a lot of like girls and teenagers liked as well too. So I I I think the problem with the brood too in the ministry was I think no matter what they would be in over time they would be looked at as the baby faces, and I think maybe they didn't fit in yeah. the group that much because you know you got a heartthrob edge over here up next yeah. to naked Midian. Yeah, yeah, you're right. They weren't yeah. ugly like you know yeah. like the, most of the most of the ministry was. So they were. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Too. So I could see, you know, maybe that's where they switched. But, you know, during this pay-per-view, they were all linked up together, brother. And so there were also, like, this other thing going on. So with the Undertaker character, where he was, they they were they were starting a rivalry with the corporation. So it was weird. It was, like, two heel factions kind of going at it a little bit. And the big Yeah, story, I was going to bring that up. Yeah. Go ahead. I was gonna say I was gonna bring that up when we got to those matches, but like this was like something they also don't do now and never really did again that well was have all of these factions that were feuding with each other at the same time, and I think that that would be something that would be good now if they did it more. But you would have two heel factions fighting each other, and then you would have face factions fighting the heel factions, but the heel factions would fight each other as well, and then Austin was kind of his own faction. Yes. Well, yeah, I mean, he was the ultimate faction. He was the ultimate brother. faction, yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of like a little bit of the stories leading up to it. We'll go more in detail when we do more of the matches. But that's like mm-hmm. the main kind of stories leading us in to our to our stopgap before WrestleMania 15. So but let's get into the show. Let's, let's talk about some of the stuff, plus our big surprise that comes at the end as well, too. Yes. So the first match, well, f- well, well. First, before anything, we actually had a a dark match, but then we actually had Sunday Night Heat. So this is something they yes. they they kind of do now, but they don't really do it now. Where AEW probably does this a little bit better, where they have. Well, actually, I don't know if they do either. So it's a it's, a, it's like a pre show, you know, and so we have some matches on there, and we do some interviews. Uh, but Sunday Night Heat was yeah. a regular program. I was about to say, it was on every Sunday, whether they had a pay-per-view or not. Exactly. Yeah. But the cool thing about the uh, the cool thing about the Sunday Night Heat 
um, episodes that lead into pay-per-views, we mostly get the big stars on them. Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah. like you know, on this one, uh, what happened was besides some of the matches that we that we did, uh, the two main angles on Sunday Night Heat was McMahon coming out there to challenge Stone Cold right then to to, to, to try to hit him because there mm-hmm. was a no contact uh, policy. Uh, if Austin hit or touched or touched McMahon at all before their cage match, they would uh, mm-hmm. the match would be forfeited. So McMahon came out there with Shawn Michaels. Um, to McMahon was trying to goat Austin to, to punch him, even spat on him. Yeah. So building more heat before the cage match, brother. And then we had a segment in the back where M- Mankind was training with. Check these out. The, the Iron Sheik. The Iron Sheik and Bob Backlund. <laughs> and, yeah, and Dominic Danucci. Yeah, Dominic Danucci. Like the, the most <laughs> random people that started training with in 1999. Then The Rock came over there and they fucking. <laughs> smacked his ass with some sort of like what was that like, like some sort of steel it was a uh bottle it was a shit? wasn't tank? it a uh yeah it was some kind of tank but he hit yeah. him with a um a pallet a wooden pallet yeah first. a wild pallet yeah and then he was hitting him with the, then he was hitting him with the uh the, the, some kind of steel tank yeah but yeah i had to look that up because i when i when they showed that replay in the pay-per-view I was like why is the iron sheik and bob Backlund just randomly standing backstage <laughs> <laughs> but apparently he'd been training with those guys earlier in the day. Yeah. I mean, duh. Come on, brother. All right. And then we did have a couple uh, matches to, to open us up. So the, the dark, dark match was uh, Too Much, which would later be, on, be called Too Cool, which Too cool. was uh, Brian Christopher and Scott Taylor. They defeated the Hardy Boys. Yep. So this is the Hardy Boys before they uh, kind of blew up. And actually, the Hardy Boys... Made a, made a name for themselves this year because I think it was later on in this year in 1999 where they actually won the tag belts from the Acolytes when they had uh, yeah, Michael Hayes as their uh, manager. Yeah, because I remember like when I went to the the first well, the first wrestling show I ever went to it was King of the Ring 99 in Greensboro. And um, they were on that show and I knew who they were. So they were on TV already. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> they actually might have been the new brood at that point or not yet? I got it. When do they turn on Gangrel? I mean, turn on Michael Hayes. That, no, that was much later. Yeah, that was a bit later on. Yeah, yeah. that, that would have been later on. So, yeah, they were just the Hardy Boys with Michael Hayes versus Edge and Christian at that show. But, yeah, so they're on a dark match here. So they're probably not really on Raw very much at this point, I would guess. Yeah, maybe here and there. So we have a, a main event for, for all ages, Viscera with Minion. <laughs> Versus test with the mm. big boss man. Oh yeah. So we're just doing a little bit of the corporate corporation versus the ministry at this time. Yeah. Uh, another random match: Billy Gunn with Triple H and X Pac versus Tiger Ali Singh. Yeah, which lasted forty seconds apparently. <laughs> yes. Made event all across the country, brother. And then that's when we open up the, the show now. So our, our first contest for St. Valentine's Day Massacre, brother. We got a, a pretty sweet intro. We talk about love and shit going mm-hmm. on over here. And I'm thinking at the time, great. I brought my date here. <laughs> I'm thinking like, I'm all happy. I'm all hyped. You know what I mean? You know, I, I, maybe I skipped the, uh, the Sunday Night Heat matches and shit. I'm all hyped. I got my popcorn. I got my soda. Yep. I got my girl by my side. I got her some chocolates. I'm like, girl, you're about to see one crazy show. This is going to be the most spectacular thing you ever seen in your life. And you know what the fucking first match is? Gold Dust versus the Blue Dust. 
And I'm sitting there like, so, what the fuck did I get myself into? <laughs> I probably like this match better than you did. Because I, I like the Blue Meanie. I had actually forgotten this happened. Um, okay. I had forgotten that Blue... <laughs> yeah, I had forgotten altogether that Blue Meanie were for WWF. Yeah. Um, especially... It, it, it is pretty good. It is forgettable. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, I know him, obviously, from ECW. Yes. Um, With Raven. But I, I'm guessing... Yeah, but I guess they were kind of WCW and ECW. I mean, WCW and WWF at this time were just signing people away from ECW to keep their star, keep them from building stars, I yeah. guess. Well, you know, also, um, too, you know, during this time, um, you know, the WWF was help funding ECW. That's true. That was secret, though. Nobody, was knew, secret. That yeah, nobody knew that until years later. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, you can kind of tell a little bit because, you know, to me, you know, we had a lot of ECW stars go to Nitro. But I yes. think we had way more go back and forth from the WWF to ECW more than anything. Yeah, which makes me think that this was probably some kind of deal with Paul Heyman. Yeah. Um, because I just can't imagine Vince McMahon looking at the blue meeting saying, yeah, I want to sign that guy. Because he didn't want Mick Foley, really. Yeah, exactly. And Mick Foley is great. I mean, the blue meeting is a better wrestler than, I, than people give him credit for. Um, but um, but Mick Foley is great, and, and McMahon didn't want him because he didn't look like Triple H. Well, you know, also, too, you know, Vince Russo was also a big fan of ECW as well. So yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of the e ECW influence was also, you know, recommended by him as well, you know, some of the characters. Because right. he's probably like, well, hey, if we get the blue media, I have ideas for this guy. You know, I, yeah. I could I could do some stuff with him, you know. But you know, the blue mini. The only thing I remember, blue. <laughs> yes, the only thing I can remember about the blue mini in the WWF was about three things. All right, first of all, I remember his feud with Goldust during this, and then later yep. on, like Ryan Shamrock would like be part of this feud as well, and then like Blue Mini would call her like mommy and daddy and stuff. It was like it, it was like it was like wow. Goldust and Shamrock's his sister, and Blue Mini was like their son. It was like the weirdest. Yeah, I don't get it. And then I remember, really and then I remember during the, um, you know, I remember him, you know, blue mini wearing all these ridiculous outfits that he that he wears, uh, all yeah. he's got blue dust and stuff. And then I remember him getting his ass whipped by JBL at that ECW reunion. That's the three things I remember about blue mini in his WWF run. Yeah, basically. So you know, this match, you know, I. The only thing I could say is Goldust, I mean, fuck, this guy was so over. Like, people love this guy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's still doing it today. You know, Dusty yeah. Rhodes and shit. Like, and he yeah. looks almost the same. I mean, this guy is like, doesn't age great. You know, people love that Shattered Dreams um, uh, finishing move where he just runs and gets him in the crotch. I think Cody yeah. still uses that one, too. So, I mean, you know, this is, you know, I didn't particularly like this match, but boy, that crowd loved it. So, I'll give him that. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you know, this is nothing compared to what the matches we're gonna see. But yeah, yeah, I mean, seeing the blue meanie do that moonsault, yeah, you know, off the top rope. I mean, off the top turnbuckle. I mean, that was pretty awesome. And anything Dustin Rhodes does is great. So, you know, I, I can't, you know, I, can, I could not watch it when I when it first came. I was like, oh, I'm gonna skip this. But then I watched it. I'm like, Nah, I gotta watch. This is good. Yeah, this is really. Good. I was surprised, you know. At first, I was the same thing with you. I was like, oh, I kind of want to skip it. But, you know, later on in the match, they, they got everybody into it at the end. So that's all, you can, yes. that's all you can ask for. So the next match we have is Allison, one of Allison's favorite wrestlers, Bob Holly, 
you have to love Bob Holly. This guy is just right up your alley. Okay? Mm. Mean, jacked, <laughs> beating up people all the time, pissed off at work. I mean, come on now. You got to love yeah, Bob Holly. Yeah, I mean, I, I respect Bob Holly a lot. I, I like Bob Holly. And uh, they reference during this, they re- reference this match, they reference his old gimmick, yes. Sparky Plug. Sparky Plug, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I love Sparky Plug. That guy was great. The race car driver with the fucking yeah, mullet Sparky hair. Plug. Yes. And then we have Al so Snow. Where, where, you know, where Al Snow, you know, at first was like, what, what was he, like that Monda and Toy or something like that? And then they he got repackaged no. in uh, an ECW. has like the, the crazy guy with the mannequin head. And they just brought that gimmick well, over. And they brought that to WWF. Yeah, so yeah. no. So, okay, so I'm a huge Al Snow fan. I think... Al Snow is a fantastic wrestler. I mean, I think that he's technically good in the ring. Um, he's great. No, he was not Aldo Montoya, uh, just incredible. Oh, yeah, that's right. Just incredible. Yeah. He was Leif Erickson or whatever that what what it Leif Erickson, wasn't that his name? Yeah, he was also like or is the, that a Viking. Uh, no, he wasn't like he Al Snow, he was like the rocker guy, right? Like he was supposed to be like one of the rockers with Marty Gennetti too. He had so many gimmicks. I can't even keep up with that how many gimmicks he had until um, the Al Snow one came about. Let's see. What was, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously that's how I first saw him as, uh, what does everybody want? Yes. And then everybody screams. Hey. And that gimmick was um, created in ECW. It was. Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah. All of, all of, uh, not all of them, but a lot of those gimmicks were created in ECW. Yeah. I mean, kind of Stone Cold Steve Austin was created in ECW in a way. Yeah. Um, apparently he was avatar. Avatar. Yes. Um, and, yeah, then Leif Cassidy. Leif that's Cassidy, what that's what we're thinking. He was, yes. Yeah, the, it was with the New Rockers. Yes, the New Rockers, um, And yes. then he goes back to ECW and became, uh, let's see, so... Uh, he became a Sarvin. crazy guy that talked to a head, and then he had some raver gimmick. Yeah, Alan Sarvin is his real name. But yeah, it says here that uh, Sarvin um, found success back in ECW, once again built as Al Snow, he developed a new character gimmick after reading about abnormal psychology and finding a mannequin head on the street near the ECW arena. So supposedly, like that was just how he came up with that gimmick. Yeah, and they kind of just translated it to the WWF. But you know, his yep. this is like one of his biggest years too, this 1998, because he really found himself in the hardcore division. And actually, mm-hmm. I actually liked the the WWF hardcore division. It was always fun because they would always you know, fight backstage. They would always use, like, different objects. It would be very creative, especially even, especially when they started to have Crash Holly uh, defended 24-7. Uh, yeah. But, you know... I liked it before they did that, but before, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, yeah. I, I could say that, too, because, you know, the matches, like, this one was really fun. You know, you had two mm-hmm. wrestlers who, you know, at the time, like, you know, they're not, like, blowing everybody away, but in this hardcore division, they could do a lot more stuff than just wrestling between the ropes. You know, they could hit each other, they can go out in the crowd... And then we had them fight a little bit backstage, but they also had they also fought all the way to the Mississippi River. And this is when they got they started fighting in the river, and boy, that must shit must have been cold out there, especially in February. And like you know, oh, it was just freezing. They were just like knocking themselves on like these chain fences and shit and stuff. So, but this is when actually a hardcore picked up the victory, and he won the hardcore belt. And then later on, we would have Holly get over this year. So this is actually one of the years he got over too, becoming the super heavyweight guy. And yeah. also, that title doesn't wasn't that title doesn't that title exist because Vince McMahon gave that title to Mick Foley? Yes, or to mankind, so he could have his own title. And wasn't it like uh, 
wasn't it like a um like an intercontinental title no. or u.s title no, no. that it was the wing smashed no no it was the wing ingled wwf yes. belt that was the- smashed right and then kurt henning had smashed it years before right yeah something like that yeah and they just like they had and it and they, they just it re- back together yeah they just like put like little like hardcore title on it and they taped some of the stuff back together <laughs> yep yeah it wasn't until the uh mankind like that was just pretty much like a it was kind of like a joke belt until you know mm. boss man won it and then after boss man you know the al snow and like these you know hardcore Holly, they they're the ones that kind of made the belt a little bit more prestigious you know they actually can yeah. defend it on pay-per-views and stuff in the actual matches so this is when we it's kind of go ahead i was gonna say it's kind of like the uh the 24 7 belt they have now well they don't have it now they do that shit in the trash kind of well right they don't have it anymore but like that's kind of like that except it wasn't hardcore it just you know yeah well the 24 7 belt was not not anything close to how the hardcore belt was well okay that's a good point you're right that that was you're right the hardcore belt actually had good matches yeah the 20 the 24 it was just some dumb gimmick just to get people on I don't I even know why it was there, to be honest with you. They put it on celebrities. That's the only reason I could see it. So, the next match is uh, one of our build-up matches to a WrestleMania uh, card match where, mm. where, you know, we had the Undertaker there talking to his brood, and he's basically saying, you know, we're going to be going after the corporation and McMahon. Um, he has some... The, the, we're showing building up to uh, Undertaker, like like, going after McMahon. And this is when we had the uh, the the big boss man versus Midian. It's up next, and mm-hmm. boy, did the crowd not like this match. No, boring here, boring there, boring everywhere. I was like, these people yeah. are not killing. They're not. They're not doing it. And the, you know, Midian. Um, you know, he was used to be part of the God Wings. Yep. Um, uh, Phineas, I believe it was, or something. And um, he's also part of the uh, the Jeff Jarrett version of Guy Wings, but this is when we repackaged him. And uh, I actually liked Midian. I thought he was okay style wrestler. You know, he came out here with like some sort of eyeball. You know what I mean? In a jar. <laughs> I remember that? Yeah, yeah. And of course, you know, Midian later become naked Midian. Yeah. <laughs> the European yeah, champion would. or something. <laughs> That's the only thing I could kind of remember about Midian. But you know, we had the big boss man in here, which is you know. I actually like this version of the big boss man, you know, with the whole street guard or like the whole SWAT gear on him and everything. Yeah, it looked a lot better than the uh, blue outfit he used to wear. Yeah. He was like McMahon's hired like gun assassin and stuff, you know. Yeah. But, you know, this match, nobody really cared about it. The big thing about this match was the end. You know, after boss man pinned him with the boss man slam, you had the corp, you had the ministry come out there with the Undertaker uh, right before Undertaker got his really cool ministry song. You know, with the tongues and shit. That was my favorite Undertaker's entrance song was that one. Uh, I love that one. I thought that one was so cool. I still love that one to this day. But they come out there. They beat up Midian. They beat up uh, uh, Bossman. They take him away. And this is going to set up um, the feud between Bossman and Undertaker where they had the most forgettable, one of the most forgettable matches in Undertaker's WrestleMania career. Undertaker versus Bossman in the Hell in the Cell where they fucking hung his ass. From the cell, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it had a shocking ending, kind of, where they hung him from the cell, but somehow he didn't die, though. Exactly, (laughs) magic brother. That's why. Hmm. So up next, we have uh, two really, actually, two really underrated tag teams in this time period. 
where we had Owen Hart and Jeff Jarrett versus D'Lo Brown and Mark Henry for the WWF Tag Team title belts. The storyline between this one is very interesting. May may I tell everybody, Allison, what the storyline is for this? Oh, be my guest. Please do. All right. I can't wait for this. So we have one of my favorite characters of this era, my main man, Mark Henry. Everybody's thinking, oh, yeah, we know Mark Henry. You know, that guy that came out there in Hall of Pain and weightlifter guy, big-ass dude, you know what I mean, throwing people around? Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Before he was the Hall of Pain guy, he was my boy, Sexual Chocolate. He was. And it's Valentine's Day, all right? So my boy is... So, so basically, his character is, everybody, he's a sex addict, all right? Mm-hmm. Any any girl in front of him, he has to lay it down. He has to make it happen. So, so you know, they were the tag team champions. Uh, and then they got beat for the tag team belts by Owen Hart and Jeff Jarrett because of Debra. Their their valet at the time, Debra. She was mm-hmm. uh, doing her puppy action to um, to my main man Mark Henry, and of course he cannot he cannot you know he cannot resist. A woman's uh, affection. So he's looking at her, and that's how they got beat. But D'Lo Brown was like, you know, they keep getting this. Deborah keeps distracting us and everything. I'm gonna get my main man a girl. So he got her. He got him a girl, Ivory. So this is when we have Ivory come to the WWF, and at this time, Ivory is the new squeeze of Mark Henry. And we mm-hmm. open up this match with Mark Henry giving her some box of chocolate and, and, and roses. So the big thing about this mat title match was. It was Mark Henry. He's such a sex addict. Can he focus only on one girl, or would Deborah get him? So that's the storyline we got going on for this one. So I'm saying, like everything has like a storyline. Even this random match does. Mm. So, what do you think about uh, sexual chocolate, there, Allison? Um, I mean, I don't. I've never thought that Mark Henry's the best wrestler in the world, but I like the sexual chocolate character. Yes. Um, and everybody else in this match, I think is fantastic. So yeah, yes. I was, I was totally down for this. Yeah. I mean, like I said, you know, Jeff Jarrett, he's still doing it today. You know what I mean? Yep. I was never the biggest Jeff Jarrett fan, but I do respect Jeff Jarrett. Um, this guy can get some heat. All right. Especially nowadays. Oh God, he's so good at that. He's yeah. so he's good so about good it. He's it. so good about being hateable. I mean, you, you got it. Yeah. You got to respect the guy. He, he's not like the most flashiest wrestler. But boy, you gotta respect this guy because he was great. And of course, you know, there's not. You could say um, it, it's so sad of what happened to Owen. You know, because you can tell yeah. later on, Owen would have been like super respected. Like, you know, later on yes. in the 2000s or the 2000s when he could face like you know with like, matches with Kurt Angle and stuff. Like where he could really show what he could do because you know at this particular point of late 90s, it's not really about your ring, your in ring work. You know, you gotta have right. you can have solid in ring work. But the w, they weren't really looking for that. They were looking for like the characters of the more story, you know. So your matches mm-hmm. could be a little bit more, unless you're in like the top mix. Your matches could be a little bit more basic, you know. Unlike when when they start getting like you know Benoit, the Jericho, Kurt, oh, God. you know, when Can they start getting imagine? all the yeah, yeah, it, Owen would have fit right in that mix, no problem. You know what I mean? No problem. He would have he would have been like a wholly different type type of character than he was right here. So, but you know, this is they still had a great chemistry. You know, D'Lo. He still kind of does it nowadays too in Impact. Uh, I always mm. liked Dilo. He was always like a great athlete. You can always put him in there with anybody, and he would have a great match 
with everybody. So definitely a pretty uh, pretty fun match over here. Um, so you know during this match, we you know Deborah was trying to get uh, Mark Henry to pay attention to her puppies and everything, and yep. then um, we eventually had. Um, so this is when eventually when we had uh, Jeff Jerry, he did his whole guitar action to um, that I believe was uh, Mark Henry's uh, leg, and then they put him in the the figure four, and he tapped out. So after all that distraction stuff, Jeff Jerry cheated to regain the tag belts. Of course, is this um, right when Deborah first got or right around the time she first came to the WWF? Uh, no, nah, she was around here for a little bit. Um, Think she, she, she was, was yeah yeah she was, she was married to Steve McMichael yes for a while but I know him only from Nitro yes and I don't remember if Deborah was ever on Nitro with him yes. or not or if they were already divorced she was yes okay. so and then I'm yeah so basically she moved to the WWE because she knew Jeff Jarrett you know because right when um so when Michael Steve Michael was in the Horseman, Jared was also in the Horseman as well too, and Deborah was around okay. there. So that's that's what the whole, their whole connection was. Okay. So when you know when uh, when Jeff switched over, he eventually I guess convinced or Vince Russo, you know, hot women, so we got to bring him over to the to the F brother to get him on mm. the screen. So the next match is one of my favorite wrestlers, porn star Val Venus. Yeah, facing Ken Shamrock for the Intercontinental title. Now, let me tell you all the backstory for this one, if I may. So Ken Shamrock had a sister that randomly came to shows. Our boy, the big Balboski, he needed some new talent for his new movie. So he um, put himself out there and he eventually started smitten around with Shamrock's sister. And of course, Shamrock's not liking this because he doesn't want his sister smitten with Valbowski. So they started to do a little rivalry and stuff. And eventually, you know, it was going back and forth. Billy Gunn got involved because we're having that whole corporation versus DX feud during this time as well. And the big thing was the the the, the feud between Shamrock and Val was getting so out of control because Shamrock kept attacking Val backstage while he's making out with his sister. The sister even said that she loves the big Valboski too. Red flags right there, mm-hmm. brother. And uh, that's how we got this match. It was a grudge match. And uh, before this happened, uh, the referee Earl Huffner said he wouldn't officiate this match because they were too wild. And that's why they agreed to have Billy Gunn as the special guest referee. So. Yeah, yeah. So we have uh Billy Gunn's referee Shamrock comes out Intercontinental Champion I always liked Shamrock I always thought he was uh, he's another guy who I think came along a little too early you know I I think he could have been a little bit more respected facing you know guys like Kurt Angle as well to you know guys like Benoit you know like the the more like map based wrestlers I think he you know he was still good during this era but I think he could have I think he could have been one of those big players too yeah, I mean, he was fine. Like I always, I just I don't like it when they bring UFC guys into wrestling. I just don't like that. You don't like Even Matt like, you know, jo- well, Matt Riddle's an exception cuz he 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 got fired from UFC. He's he's a little bit different. Um, but you know, like Josh Woods, like Josh Woods, I've met him several times. He's a nice guy. He's a, he is a good wrestler, but I just don't love the I just don't love the UFC guys being in 
Because they they always they're all the same. They always do the same thing, right? They just do the mat wrestling thing and they scream a lot, like Ken Shamrock. Um, but what about I mean, Dan Severin? I hated Dan Severin. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was and and I'd never like Steve Blackman or any of that shit either. But um, but it was um, I mean, this was good for what it was. I mean, because uh, the girl that played Ryan Shamrock was actually dating Ken Shram- Shamrock at the time. I know, which <laughs> is weird because she plays his sister on TV, and then they're dating in real life. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, and then against Valvinus, who was always a great wrestler. Sad what happened to him. Wait, Valvinus? Yeah. Well, what happened to him? Oh, he's he's a crazy person now. That's true. Well, I know the last. Okay, so I didn't really follow. I didn't really follow a lot of Val Venus until he got you know out of wrestling. I know he, I know he 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 did like a weed job, right? He has like a weed. Yeah. Well, he has the. I heard he had the weed job yeah. where he's like working as like a dispensary, but like he's he's like some kind of like like he he's like a like a crazy like anarchist or something, and he he thinks the government's a scam, and he's like he he does all these things where he like tries to break into places to prove that he has whether you know like whether they like like not break in but like he'll go to places and cause disruptions interesting to see if he can get arrested and like stuff like that like i don't know he's just from he's porn just, star kind of to crazy. anarchist huh? yeah porn star to anarchist the story so in this match you know we're going a lot back and forth you know billy gunn um you know obviously didn't like both of them as well too and then eventually um you know shamrock kind of like Bullets around uh, Billy Gunn a little bit, and then Val Venus like I get the, c- catches him in a cradle, and then they do a fast pin, and that's when uh, Val Venus run the belt, and Shamrock was going after Billy, and then eventually, you know, uh, Billy like beats down Shamrock, he beats down Val Venus, so we can see who the real star in this match was, which was Billy Gunn. Yes, the kind of which is Billy Gunn yeah. exactly. So the next match is a kind of an interesting one. So it's kind of like questions about this. Okay, so it's gonna be. Triple H and X-Pac versus China and Kane. So very weird tag team match. Weird. Here's here's how this all came about. So it was the night after the Royal Rumble. All right. Triple H came out and he challenged The Rock to an I quit match because, you know, at this t- at the time DX and Mankind were like were pretty tight. They were like a tight. They weren't like Mankind wasn't in DX, but you know, DX was like Mankind's like friends and you know, they were kind of like an adopted, uh, he was like an adopted member of DX at this time. So, you know, Triple H mm. is pissed off, which is weird because, you know, not even a year later, they're going to be a blood feud. But, uh, you right. know, <laughs> Triple H is pissed off at The Rock because he knew that Rock cheated, uh, uh, you know, uh, Mankind out of, out of the match. So he, they challenged, you know, Triple H that night at Raw, it was Triple H versus The Rock. And they're like back going back and forth in the match. And then eventually, uh, Triple H was right about the pedigree Rock on the table until the corporation came out. They had China and Kane had her by the throat. And then they were saying like, if you don't quit right now, we're going to break China's neck, you know, choke slammer and stuff. So triple A said he quit and everything. Mm-hmm. And then after that, they were going back and forth. And this is when China gave triple H the low blow brother. And she swerved him. And she is now entering the corporation. And then, uh, this is when they also, this is basically China challenged triple H to this match. Um, and then Triple H brought along, you know, X Pac to do the tag team match. Yeah. So this is also to building to the eventual Triple H split from DX and going out. And this is this is actually the rise of Triple H a year. Yes. So 
but we'll talk about what what kind of question did you, did you have? So my question was that I don't I have two questions actually. One, I did not remember this. I did not remember China splitting from DX this early. Yes. I remember Triple H turning on DX when he turned heel. Yeah, at fifteen. Um, you know, to, to, you know to go up, but I thought China was still in DX at that point. But I guess she wasn't. No, she was the uh, first. She would one go to on. To, okay, because she so she would go on to feud with Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, that um, was later on. Like a couple months later. Yeah, that yeah. was like the later half. Of, um, it's so weird to see like early half ninety nine and then later half ninety nine. Mm. Like, like, like it's the biggest change is like a, a, these two characters, Triple H and China, were like the biggest. Like they were so different when they started off ninety nine to how they ended ninety nine. You know, so we have first we have China like going to the corporation, and you know she she's like the first one that turned, and then at WrestleMania fourteen she. Oh, 15, sorry. She, that, that's when we had the match between Kane and Triple H. And then that's when, when China turned on Kane and Triple H beat uh, um, Kane in that match. Yeah. And that's when like, okay, all DX is back together. But then we had that match where we just saw a little bit of this match too, which was the X-Pac versus Shane McMahon feud. And that's when Triple H turned on X-Pac. And then both him, Triple H, and China joined the corporate corporation. And that's when they became heels and then eventually Triple H would grow from there to become the world champion later on. After okay, SummerSlam. So that was gonna be in my next yeah, that was gonna be my next question. So they do end up getting back together in the corporation. Yes. They were in the corporate ministry okay, together, brother. It, Remember Triple H okay, had that right, he had that right, tight right, he had right. that tight black shirt yeah. on with the cross and the hat backwards, brother? Oh yeah. I for, I'd forgotten about that, but you're right. Yeah. So they were still in a relationship at this point, right? This yes. is before Stephanie McMahon. Yeah, okay. they they probably that wouldn't happen for another year, maybe. Yeah, yeah, not yeah, not until like 2000s or 2001 is when they actually like him and China actually split up, I believe. So yeah, they were they were uh, they were going hard during this time. But this is the uh, this is like the 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 building blocks for Triple H to become a breakout main event star. You know, obviously he wouldn't become a main main event star until he had that Royal Rumble match with Mick Foley, that street fight at Royal Rumble 2000. That's yes. when he that was one of the so best good. match. But I'm talking about this Mick Foley guy. Like, you want to have a career made? This guy was fantastic at doing that. Um, mm. But this is like the building block. So yeah. you know, this match was pretty. You know, this, this is all storyline right here. You know, back and forth with Triple H and China and stuff. You know, DX is still pretty hot and everything. Um, you know, the big, this is also showing a lot of like storyline between Shane McMahon going after X-Pac, which I actually thought they had a very entertaining match at WrestleMania 15. So, you know, we have Shane McMahon interfering, X-Pac's chasing him back, um, to the back. And this is when we have, Mm -hmm. um, uh, Triple H getting choke slammed by Kane. And then of course, Kane pulling China over Triple H to get the pinfall. So it's kind of just building more. Building up to WrestleMania 15 when we eventually see Kane and Triple H's fight. So now yeah. we have made it to our main event matches. Last man yes. standing, brother, between The Rock and Mankind. And out of all their matches, so this is... Actually, I feel like after all their matches, this one doesn't get looked at as much as like some of the other ones does. You know, I think they're... I think when I think back of Rock versus Mankind... You know, obviously the Royal Rumble match is like the first one that comes to my head. And then second yeah. would probably be their halftime heat match. And then this one would probably be like the third one. 
I would say. Yeah, and my notes say this is the worst of the matches they did, although it's still great. I don't know. That latter match they did on Raw was kind of boring, too. What, the, the next night? Yeah, there was like yeah, it was like either the next night or the next night they had the ladder match, and that's when Rock won the title for Mick Foley. Yeah, because I, I had to watch that because I couldn't because I, I couldn't figure out w- what happened. This was a really weird week too because, um, as you may have noticed from King losing his voice, Raw was on Saturday night this week. Yeah, so they had so they had Raw so they had wrestling WWF wrestling Saturday night, Sunday night, and Monday night all yeah. all in a row. Whew. We're busy that, that we're busy that weekend, brother. <laughs> Yeah, it was a tough one. But yeah, I mean, this match is, is good, everything. You know, a lot of like fighting inside the ring, outside the ring, you know, going back and forth. This was the, the uh, I call it the um, the tracksuit era of The Rock. Yeah, like I he, love the tracksuit era. The tra- you like the tracksuit era? Rock? Oh, yeah, I love the tracksuit era. I thought, you know, it's good. It looks pretty good when he's doing like, 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 um, no holds barred matches like this. But didn't, mm-hmm. didn't, didn't the reason he had the tracksuit on because he had that chest surgery? Um, I didn't know that. I mean, yeah. that may be. I, I had not heard that, but they were all wearing tracksuits around this time, though. So those three strapped Adidas tracksuits were yeah. like really popular with wrestlers and they were all wearing them. By this point, though, WWF had cut cut that shit out. Like they they made tracksuits for them to wear that had one stripe down the side. Yeah. Um, but if you look back in '98, and mm, yeah, I guess '98, The Rock and Triple H were both still wearing Adidas tracksuits at that time. Yeah, I me. Mean, w- w- what I understand was, you know, obviously, you know, that was a big, you know, thing wearing the tracksuit. But I thought, mm-hmm. I think the big thing was, tra- so The Rock had some sort of like chest surgery. Um, that he that he did, and mm-hmm. it was like to, to develop his trust a little bit better, and I think he, that's okay. why the reason he was wearing that outfit until WrestleMania, because you wouldn't see Rock out of the tracksuit and then going forward to his normal trunks until WrestleMania 15. Um, hmm. okay. so I didn't but, know that, but that's interesting though. Yeah, that 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 is my understanding of why he actually went to the tracksuit era. So, but I, I actually liked it too. It's like it's, it's just such a very interesting. Uh, attire <laughs> to wear for all these like main event matches and stuff mm-hmm. um but you know very good match the, the the finish saw them both hit each other with chairs after a very grueling match you know of course they have very good you know very good chemistry between these two but they do a double chair shot and then they both get ambulanced out of the arena in two separate ambulances too and of course you know it's either on the next down or the next down on raw where they they do the ladder match um and this is when the the other mystery guy who's coming up choke slams mankind off the ladder, and that's when Rock grabs it, and that's when we have our main event match, WrestleMania 15, being uh, yeah. um, Austin and The Rock. So, yeah, it was interesting because I, I watched that Raw because I couldn't remember what happened because yeah. because because when they at the end of this match when they don't give the title to The Rock, yeah. I was like, well, how the hell do they get to WrestleMania 15 when they're with with Rock versus Austin? Yeah, and um. And uh, so, yeah, so the next night they okay. came out and then McMahon talked him into having a, a ladder match. Um, I think McMahon was talking to Shawn Michaels and said, why don't we have your match? Let's have a ladder match. Yeah. Because the Rock's fat. I mean, because uh, Mankind's fat and can't climb the ladder. Well, also, too, because um, that was, remember, remember the big storyline, too, was Mankind had a bad knee. Yeah. Going into well, this match yeah, and the ladder match, too. Exactly. So Right. Um, and Austin comes out and tries to help him at the end. Austin comes out on commentary the next night. Yeah. Um, 
And another thing I noticed about that match too, not trying to make the show too long, but um, were we as fans, not not Marks like we would be, but not Smarks, but were, were they um, uh, talking about Mankind as Mick Foley at that point, or was he just this Mankind character? So they were. They they, they kind of went back okay. and forth a little bit because when, when Foley won the title on January 4th, Michael Cole was given this whole backstory of Mick Foley. That's 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 pretty much when we were okay. we knew the guy's name was Mick Foley, but we knew he was playing you know mankind. So you know the cool thing about you know Mick Foley's personas in, in WWF was he had four of them. You know he had Mick Foley, right. he had Mankind, Cactus Jack, and and Do Love, and he can be yes. intertwined between all four. Like all four had a good run. Even Mick Foley, just him by himself, had a great one too. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't really until like January fourth when he won the belt. When the Mick, they start bringing up like Mick Foley here and there, so. okay, because he, because uh, I know he had not wrestled as Mick Foley before, yeah. but and uh, during that latter match when Austin's on commentary, he says at one point he says, "Get your ass up that ladder, Mick," and like which makes which I was wondering if that was a slip or if if people re- knew who he was talking about. Yeah, they, yeah, they knew. It's just because of that that big okay. title win. They kind of went. Back and forth with Mick Foley because they were like saying the you know Mick Foley's boyhood dream, you know, all that stuff, you know, yeah, true. So now we are here at the main event, brother, mm. the one that sold the tickets, the one that put the asses in the right. seats, brother. We have one of the biggest rivalries coming head to head in a cage match, Vince McMahon versus Steve Austin. And boy, I mean, Vince McMahon is not known to be a good wrestler. He is known to be no. uh, obviously the boss of the, the mm. WWF and one of the best characters they ever had. Yeah. His in-ring stuff, oh. not that well, but this match easily has to be his best match he ever did. Oh, I'm sure it was. But yeah, um, you know, I mean, not not that he wasn't a good wrestler. He wasn't a wrestler. Yes. I mean, you know, he was, you know, he was a commentary guy. And you know he owned the company, but he he was not a, a wrestler. The fact that he took enough steroids to get in the kind of shape he would need to be in oh for 1999 was he is jacked? He was jacked. absolutely jacked. There's no way <laughs> oh he wasn't God. shooting. Up this guy's a yeah, fucking tank coming out in this motherfucker. <laughs> fucking Jerry Lauder was having a heart attack. Look at the fucking traps on this motherfucker. He's like greased up and shit. I was like, holy shit, this guy's like the. He looks like the fucking walking Terminator. I was like, what the yeah, hell? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Goes, oh, and no JR um, in this show. Yeah. So, you know, during this, this particular Bell's Palsy yeah, thing, right? Yeah. He had his uh, second bout of Bell's Palsy. So JR mm. wouldn't really return until WrestleMania 15 when he called the Steve Austin rock match. Yeah. And that's when he would uh, come back. But, you know, during this, I think it was, I think he got that around, I think it was right after Survivor Series, some, somewhere right after Survivor Series, he, he got that Bell's Palsy and he was out pretty much until, um, until uh, uh, WrestleMania 15, and then we had a, we mostly had Michael Cole and the King calling all the action. Mm-hmm. But you know, young Michael Cole, you know, he did, he, did, he I think he did a fine job, you know, during this era. Yeah, he's so. still doing it to this day. Still, can you believe that? Still doing to this day. This same, is like, he has the same job yes. that he had then. 1999 to 2023. That is pretty amazing. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, it is. It re- it's absolutely amazing. So. But this match was never, crazy. Never been off the commentary desk. Yeah, never. So it's crazy. Like, um, and yeah, even when they moved him from Raw, he was on SmackDown, or then he would go mm. flip flop back and forth. He's been doing that. 
so many decades. It's a, it's pretty incredible. Um, and then, you know, so this match was crazy. You know, obviously the biggest bump was when McMahon, Austin hit his ass against the cage and he fucking fell back onto the table. I remember uh, like, you know, yeah. hearing people like Stephanie and Shane saying when they saw that, they're like, okay, this guy's dead. We got to stop this shit. You know what I mean? Because boy, when he hit that table, yeah. I mean, his head was snapping back and I'm surprised he didn't have any kind of inju- injuries from that. Because that shit looked nasty when he no, did yeah. that. yeah. Yeah, it. Yeah, he, I thought he had a concussion. Yeah, and maybe he did, and he just didn't like. You know, yeah, you know. he didn't sell it, bro. He, that's Back a one, then you would just keep going. Yeah, that that is the one thing everybody always said about McMahon. Like this guy, he is a crazy man. Like he will not do what he doesn't ask people to do. And this guy was falling off stuff, Absolutely. breaking stuff. Yeah, fucking. You, you want to? Okay, you're nervous about riding this thing. The WrestleMania, I'll do it. I'll jump off the stage. I was like, man, these guys nuts. But you know, you got to be in this well, type of job, I guess. Yeah, well, there's that. I mean, yeah, I mean, he, the one thing you can say anything you want about Vince McMahon, and I've had my own complaints about Vince McMahon over the years, but like that guy is, he lived wrestling. Oh, yeah. Like he, he could not, and that's why he's back in it now. He, like he, he could not do anything else. He would not do anything else. But yeah, there's that story about Gronkowski. You remember from two years ago yeah. or three years ago or whenever it was? Yeah, the pandemic. When he didn't want to, yeah, the pandemic WrestleMania when Gronkowski didn't want to jump off of the, uh, off that balcony yeah and mcmahon in his 70s got up on the balcony and jumped off and said okay now you do it <laughs> exactly like what the fuck yeah <laughs> so yeah and then you know during this time period i mean mcmahon was like i mean this guy just just full of everything brother i mean the character was hot the company is hot this guy's working out he's crazy madman during this time he's going on reports fighting people you know he's gearing mm-hmm. up to take the company public. I mean, there is just so much stuff going on with this character. Obviously the biggest storyline in wrestling was him versus Austin at this time. And, uh, you know, they're going back and forth in the cage and everything. And then, and then, uh, we get a, we get a little shocker. We get Uh somebody coming up out of the ring, popping up out of the cage. And it's no other than, Paul White, King. That's Paul White. That's Paul White. Mm. And I'm thinking, that's the fucking, that's the, that's the giant. Who the fuck is Paul White? That's the giant, <laughs> right? So we had the giant here, brother from WCW, popping out out of the ring, trying to help out McMahon. So what did you think when you when you saw the giants over here? You know, when you when you like, you know, obviously when we watched this back, we already knew, you know, Big Show. You know, was a he had a long course, yeah. story career in WWF, and he's still. Kind of doing some stuff now in AEW. You don't really see him too much. But, you know, this is when he jumped ship from WCW to um, the WWF. I always thought that was a very interesting, like, switch um, of the of the big show. He was show. the first one, right? Yeah, he was He was basically, you know, in, in that Monday Night War period, he was basically one of the younger stars that didn't develop himself in the WWF to switch to, uh, you know, from WCW to WWF because you know we had like Jeff Jarrett he went back and forth but Jeff Jarrett was mostly made his name in the WWF before he switched to WCW and back yeah Jarrett basically left he basically kind of burned his bridges not not really because he obviously would come back again but he 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 left I think not on great terms with WCW yeah um and then he he left WWF not on great terms which seems to be a trend with him. Well, you know, also too, um, you know, you know, Razor and and, and Diesel, you know, they started off in WCW as well. 
You know, they they weren't high well, profile yes, characters. But they would right. go to New, yeah, they, they would go to stars. Though. Yeah, they would go to WWF. They made them stars, and then they jumped to WCW. But the Big Show was at this time period was like was like a a build up WCW star who switched to WWF at the yeah. time, and he was a lot younger than a lot of like the the main the main events main eventers in WCW and some of them in the WWF at the time. He's actually pretty young for the time. But you know, True. they got him over here. He's supposed to be like the McMahon's secret weapon. And I always thought this was like a little interesting. So 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 Paul White is out there, comes up under the ring, throws mm. Steve Austin back and forth to the cage back and forth. McMahon's all bloodied and shit. He's like saying, like, yes, my secret weapon paid out. So then Paul White grabs like Steve Austin <laughs> like in a I would say a baby cradle, but he kinda like yeah. Pops him up and he throws him against the cage door and it pops open and Steve Austin falls and then he wins the match. Right, but because so McMahon's plan backfired again. <laughs> yes, but it's like <laughs> it's like why in the hell you just beat him ass and choke him and then throw McMahon out the door? <laughs> like, what is going right. on here? So and then you know basically we have a uh, Big Show bringing up McMahon, um, you know helping him out and stuff, and then Steve Austin won the match by. Assistance, kind of, from Big kind Show. of, yeah. So, but he's going to WrestleMania. So but he's going to WrestleMania. He's going. That's all we care about, brother. The road to WrestleMania. So this how? Is, go ahead. I was gonna say, how long was Paul White underneath that ring? I'm assuming at the show when they were showing the package, yeah, the video package that the lights it went out at some point, yeah, and then they run him down and put him under the ring. I'm sure he wasn't under the ring for the entire show, but like, I mean, a man that size laying underneath that ring has to be uncomfortable even for the you know five or six minutes he was under there yeah yeah maybe they gave him a you know maybe they gave him a nice uh little little blanket to stay on or something maybe i don't even know how they fit him under the ring i mean it's not there's not that much room yeah gotta do what you gotta do man get that big pop but yeah that was definitely a a shocker i remember watching i was like oh fuck that's like the giant like you know back then i didn't really like you know, I was so new to wrestling. I didn't know about no new wrestling newsletter. You know, I didn't know about any of this stuff. Like, if somebody popped up on the other show, I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. shit, there they are. Huh. They're going back and forth, you know. You know, obviously, the person I remember mostly doing that is Jeff Jarrett. I mean, this guy was back and forth, like, all the fucking time, it seemed like. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it was a pretty cool shocker to see the Big Show on there. Of course, you know, Big Show didn't really, like, get going <laughs> until, like, a little later on in his WWF career. Because, you know, it's weird because, you know, you could tell that they wanted to make him like a big main event guy at the time. He just wasn't really mixing with the top talent as much as yeah. they wanted to. But, you know, I actually liked uh, the, the uh, 1999 Big Show when he was teaming with The Undertaker. Because, you know, after Undertaker got done with all the ministry, corporate ministry stuff and Steve Austin feud, that's when they, at SummerSlam, that's when they had The uh, Undertaker and Big Show versus Kane and X-Pac. And mm-hmm. I actually thought the Undertaker and Big Show. I actually thought they were. Uh, I actually I liked them as a tag team. I thought they were a great tag team. Like you know, very dominant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, very like you know, overpowering, like unstoppable duo. But you know, it, you know, during this time, you know, after that, after they lost the, the belts to Kane and X Pac, that's when Undertaker had to go do his uh, hip surgery, and he was out the rest of the year, and he yeah. wouldn't come back until the uh, Judgment Day to add the American Badass. So. Yes. So, so the, so the, yeah. So the Ministry of Darkness Undertaker was almost over. Yeah, it didn't really last um, that long. It was probably like uh, maybe like 
no, couple months. No, it really did. Like maybe like maybe like the half of the 1999, because um, they he basically yeah, that's probably true. Right after he he lost the uh, the first uh, I, I believe it was first blood to the uh, to it was like that first blood match. It was Steve Austin versus the Undertaker, and uh, it was it was supposed to be first blood. And if mm-hmm. Austin won, obviously won the belt, but he also got rid of McMahon. And of course, Austin won. So it's a very fun era, though. Like um, this when, 1998 era. I remember yeah, I like, say, everything about Paul it. Paul White turns face. Yeah. And Paul White turns face some, not too long after this. Well, though, he right? kind of. So so Paul White doesn't really he turn like union. a. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the union. I forgot about the union. Yeah. Those motherfuckers. Remember yeah, they carried the two by fours? Yeah, the two yeah. by yeah, it was like mankind, Paul White, test. <laughs> yeah, yes. it was like it was yeah. like it was like the uh the the, the strunctal, <laughs> like corporate corporate members. Because that's that's when they went to the corporate yeah. ministry, so they, they kicked out like Shamrock. Yeah, it was Shamrock was part of the union mm-hmm. too. Shamrock, Test, yeah, and uh Big Show. And then they had a mankind, yeah. and they're like the union. <laughs> I remember that little faction with the two by fours. Yeah, I remember them. Yeah, that, yeah. that's when they were doing yeah. the old feud with the uh, the corporate ministry. But I'm telling you, man, I love this era. Yeah. This 1990 era is so fun. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, some of it's super corny, you know what I mean? But some of it's like, it's like, but I yeah. remember when the higher power is going to get um, revealed. You know, obviously it was McMahon and stuff, but yeah. boy, I was so pissed that that day because my power went out in my house, and I was like, oh, "Fuck!" Wow. Yeah. The fuck! I was like, "Fucking the power's out! I gotta see who the fuck the." I was so pissed. I was like, "This power better fucking come back on here because I need to see who the fuck this guy is." So what I did was I called my friend from a, a landline phone out there, kids. I called him a, a fucking landline. <laughs> I was like, "Bro, can you just can you put the phone up next to the TV?" So I can hear what's going on, and that's what wow. happened, and that's how I found out who the the higher power was, and I did not see that episode of Raw live because my power's out the whole night, but I at least I got to see who it was for my friend putting on his landline phone to the TV. So I remember that wow. perfectly, bro. Wow. I'll tell you, man, this is 1999. This is my era, brother. I remember everything from this era. I loved it. So, but yeah, you know this, you know, very fun pay per view. That we got going on over here, St. Valentine's Day Massacre. I, you know, I actually like when they do like uh, themes like that. You know, what I mean, it's just, just mm-hmm. something different. You know, obviously, like we said earlier, you know, this middle ground um, pay per view between Royal Rumble and WrestleMania become No Way Out, and then later on Elimination Chamber. But you know, it's always fun to have like theme shows. I think the only people, that, the only the only brand right now that does the theme shows is probably like NXT. I would say. Yeah, they they brought all that back for sure. Yeah. So hey, maybe one day they'll bring they, this one back. Well, yeah. actually, they kind of did. Didn't they have they like a? Did didn't they time. have like a Valentine's Day one or no? Yeah, no, they did. I'm pretty sure they did during at least like maybe during the pandemic or like yeah. right after. Maybe it was right after the pandemic, but yeah, they brought it back for. Uh, they brought it back for an NXT show, but it wasn't a pay per view. It was just like one of the ones that they had on their on USA. Yeah. So, but everybody, thanks for joining us here on the Lights Out, mm. talking a very fun pay per view event, 1999 WWF. One of my favorite topics to talk about. You got anything to uh, leave us, Allison, before we head on out here to uh, our no. date? 
Yeah, nothing to really say. We just need to get need to get back because the girls are getting uh getting restless there. Everyone's sitting here talking about wrestling for exactly. two hours, but yeah, but uh, yeah, um, you know, we got still got great stuff coming up this month in the middle of the ice and snow month. So yes, got stuff good stuff coming. Satan's Blade, brother. Satan's Blade coming up. It's classic, it's classic, brother. We're gonna be talking all about <laughs> it on the Retro Blood. It's gonna be wild. We'll see what kind of eighties wrestling we got going on over here. But yeah, I, mean, I, always, I always love doing these lights out shows. You know, different format. We just talk about whatever we want. It's very fun. You know, yeah, obviously, obviously we'll fun. be coming back with lights out. You know, we'll, we'll figure out what it is going to be for later on. You know, we do. We've been doing a lot mm-hmm. of wrestling. Maybe we'll do some uh, movies or music or whatever. We'll, we'll figure out what's going on with the lights out, everybody. Yeah. But this is always fun. I thank you guys for joining us on this very special mm-hmm. Valentine's Day. Hope everybody has a great Valentine's Day. Hope you can uh, get your significant other. Uh, some chocolate, some roses, and some lights out in their ears, brother. Hope you can get them all that. And we will check you guys later. And like I said, join us this Sunday on the Retro Blood as we talk all about Satan's Blade. Yeah. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. We will see you later. <laughs> see you next time.